Hello and welcome to Gatsby Fridays, a show about getting the best out of a creative life from two creative directors working around the world and based in New York City. I'm your host, Alex Jamilio. And I'm Sarah Semi. And today we honor Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We are starting a series about how historical figures turn into pop culture icons, and we are honoring Ruth Bader Ginsburg in our first pop culture legacy episode. And at the end of each episode, we make a signature cocktail. Toast cheers to you. So hang with us as we talk about RBG's enduring influence in pop culture. I'm your host, Sarah. And I'm Alex. And And this this is Gatsby Fridays. Sarah, before we get into our conversation, let's do a check-in. How are you? And what are you wearing? It's been a long day, so I'm wearing comfortable things, thankfully. I am feeling a little overwhelmed and emotional, as you are. And it's been... A different day and it's been a really rough week compared to like I mean we picked the subject matter for this episode I remember how I felt last week when I saw it on my phone because the New York Times notification I signed up I pay for a New York Times subscription and I feel good about that but every every time lately when it pops up it's another like jarring thing where you just have to be like god what am I looking at now because what how much time do I need to set aside to calm down from this? So we had... So I'm feeling a little on edge. I think as everybody else is, I'm grateful for all the things that I have. But yeah, it's been a rough week. And today was no better. Um, our studio is in Soho, where we record. And we've been recording here for the entire summer since the Black Lives Matter movement and the the protests around the country have started, but down here we have not. We've seen the the protest remnants, and we've seen the graffiti and the artwork that's left behind from it, but we haven't actually seen people walking down the streets. And today when we walked out for so our break and we saw people walking down, we were surprised, to be honest. I was surprised. I didn't know. You didn't know. And in retrospect, we find out after we get back about the news and... You know, we can't have, I can't just say, oh, I'm feeling this and pass that on. Because this is something that we both feel impacted with. So, it's a heavy day. Whatever I'm wearing is, thank God, comfortable enough to not bother me and not feel fussy about it today. I'll leave it at that. How are you doing? Same. You know, we we were walking down the same street. We saw the protests going on, and we wondered. That was interesting because it has there hasn't been a significant protest, Black Lives Black Lives Matter protest uh, in Lower. Well, this in, is in the area that we've been. Yeah. You know, since I could remember, but today was a different day. We heard what went on in the ongoing situation with the Breonna Taylor case and that has really tinted tinted the day um it's hard to even think about talking about what I'm wearing that's um today because it really doesn't matter it doesn't matter what I'm wearing that's all I want to say well said As we mourn the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, we honor her by looking at her legacy in pop culture. We are a show about creativity, and we highlight the ways her image has been used in art. 
When did you first notice her image in pop art, Sarah? It has to be when the documentary came out. Um, I have to say, um, because I am an immigrant and I'm still on a temporary status on, on legal terms, that I'm, after 22 years, I'm not qualified to vote in this country. I paid, I actually chose not to pay attention to certain political developments. And I didn't understand. I think that was my young, naive approach about it, that I didn't understand who she was and what she brought to the table because I felt like, well, this is not my thing. It turns out it's not the case. And you grow up and you learn and you course correct, as you always say. Learning um, to take responsibility later in life, I learned about her legacy through the documentary because it was around the time that I became a little bit more cognizant of what's going on around me and took responsibility of my, even if I don't get to vote, my opinions matter and my actions matter. So just taking back that power of saying, and it, it is in line with kind of ironically recognizing and learning about who she is, is that I am learning about, even though I don't get the vote, I have other ways of making my opinion matter. Um, so it was around the time that the documentary came out and I didn't know who she was and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then you realize, oh, it's not just awesome. Like she, it's not this whole like, oh my God. Coming from a country like Turkey where, you know, women's rights is always at a danger. There's always this like, women are second class citizens. Like we are so much better than the rest of the Middle East kind of approach. I thought America is a promised land where everything is done better. Someone had to fight for that. And then I saw the movie, which ironically a week before her passing, the, not the documentary, the fictionalized version of her life story with Felicity Jones. And I did not know the story. And I was like, oh my God. And this makes me feel like, oh, I should have, oh, I should have known this better. I know about a lot of other things about being a woman and how it has benefited and hurt me in my profession. This woman has paved the way. I wouldn't even had a chance to do half the things I got to do when I got here to study after I stayed if it wasn't for her. And I didn't even know. So that documentary changed a lot for me. And I think... I, I think it's fair to say for a lot a lot of people, value of films, man. Like, she becomes a pop culture, but I learned about her through the pop culture. How did you learn about her? I, I feel like, I feel the same way. I know that she was the second uh, female justice appointed to the Supreme Court, Sandra J. O'Connor being the first. Um, but I didn't recognize... Ruth Bader Ginsburg as the pop cultural icon until, just like you, there was a series of movies that were coming out about her, there were books about her, and more, most importantly, there were images. There were images about her in her later, later in life that kind of iconized her and canonized her as being this pop culture icon similar to Frida Kahlo, yeah. Uh, similar to Che Guevara, and I started to wonder who this person was. To your experience, I simply didn't pay too much attention until she became, until until she became part of my visual radar. I know? mean, we are film buffs, but also in a lot. I mean, lately in the past five to eight years, I would say the movie attendance. We we don't actually see them in the theaters the same way we used to fifteen years ago, but I feel like. 
I think that's what the documentary intended to do, and it succeeded in that, that it brought attention to this figure who, not post, post her passing, to recognize her, but while she's alive, all the things that she's done and all the things she's still doing for us. And it, it just, for me, I coming here in the 90s, at the end of the 90s, there's, there was internet, but it was dial-up internet, and there was no Google. Google came out when I was in college. So the amount of information we had access to was a lot more limited than it is now, so it's hard to understand that. But I learned most of my pop culture references about music comes from behind the music, and um, it's a lot of television reruns and syndication that I learned about American lifestyle and pop culture and references, you know? So for me... Learning about this from a movie isn't that far off. I also am not... I like when things are stylized. It's just kind of in how I consume media. Maybe sometimes it dilutes the message. But at the end of the day, if, if I learned enough about pop culture to know when I started working on Vibe that I wasn't alienated, I knew everything that was about hip-hop history when I started working at Vibe. You know, VH1 did right by me. <laughs> So did this documentary, I feel like. I think it brought attention to what we needed to know about her and appreciate her. And on top of that, as a woman aging, a woman in power and a woman aging with her dumbbells still working out. And I'm like, there was this grandma yogi for a while that was in like in a viral video that was just going around be like the 90-year-old grandma that's doing, that's still doing yoga splits kind of thing. And I'm like, you know what? That's still like almost abstract but when it comes to her she's like this power woman i sit on the bench i work out and it was it it makes her so personable the documentary made made her more than just this image of her but we got to know who she is you got to know her daily life and little tidbits about her and i think that's it's incredible how i you know we all we've all seen documentaries I think this one had so much of an impact from that perspective of what we actually got to know someone who's alive and who's still changing our lives until her passing day. And without the documentary, we, would we have paid as much attention? Alex, RBG's image is now everywhere. It's very well known and it's iconicized. What elements of her image move from image to icon? So what I wanted to do, I picked three aspects of art that is dedicated to R RBG. Can I say this? Go ahead. <laughs> we are designers. Every time I say RBG, sometimes I say RGB, and it is no disrespect, but we are so used to say RGB. We are it's designers. It's like RGB to CMYK thing. Well, is explain that, is explain that, what RGB is. Red, green, and blue. Yes. Versus CMYK is cyan, magenta, yellow, black, which is how you see colors. The colors are all made up of different colors. And in digital space on screens, it's made out of three colors, whereas when it's printed on ink, it's one of four colors. So the three color process is RGB. It's red, green, and blue. For some reason, that's the other order than from rbg when it's like it's just so similar <laughs> and i keep making the same mistake and i every it's time okay. i say it, i don't want to have to restart the recording every time it's 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 no disrespect just 
the way that my tongue rolls, I've been saying RGB for 20 years before I knew who she was, thanks to this documentary about two years ago, that um, I started saying RBG. So, that's that. Coming back to RBG's image, please go ahead. So, I have three uh, examples to highlight. One is the Fearless Girl statue that is in Lower Manhattan in the Financial District. And what they have done with the statue, which is one great piece in and of itself, but what they've added since the passing of, of Ruth Bader Ginsburg is they've added the collar, the chapeau. Jabot. Sorry. <laughs> my, my French is not the best, so please don't get at me for my pronunciation. But the collar seems to be a huge icon that people gravitate towards when it comes to her image. And we'll talk a little bit more extensively about that. But what I wanted to highlight is it seems that a lot of the pop cultural references that are highlighted uh, with Ruth Bader Ginsburg seems to be her in the crown. And I love that image. And one of the reasons why I think it's a, a really amazing image and graphic and art piece for me is its reference to her being considered royalty within the justices, but also the fact that the crown itself is a reference for Notorious B.I.G., who well, wore a similar the crown. crown is royalty. Oh, yes. So, but I love that it's the tilted crown. Yeah, oh, I love that. I love it. It's like, it's it's a little bit crooked on your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think she wears it well, mm-hmm. just like Notorious B.I.G. wore it well. There, you know, what's amazing is that her image will move just like the images of Che Guevara, the images of Frida Kahlo, any kind of pop cultural icon that we've we've associated uh, in the past that becomes just a bold graphic icon. Well, the crown is less prominent, right? Like the crown was what named her RBG because the the documentary was designed that way. The documentary kind of established this like very graphic black and white like overly contrasted image of her with the tilted crown and the collar. But it turns out that the collar is the one that's going to stick. And was mm. probably because I think that's the beauty of pop culture in the sense that the mo- the documentary borrowed the image for the royalty of a culture to put on her head in a tilted fashion resembling Taurus B.I.G., which is kind of like R.B.G., B.I.G., all of that. Like, the the resonance of that is obvious. Um, but that carried the authority to this image, but then her image with the collar is what carries forward, leaving the crown behind. It's almost like, you know, pay it forward it's kind true. of thing. The collar itself is what made... There's a huge article in New York Times, which I didn't really fully understand... I mean, you know, you see the images, you see her collar, unless you actually read this particular article about she had half her closet with the robes that the Supreme Court justices wear and then half her closet with the collars. And the collar, it wasn't just one thing. She had many cultures, many varieties. And the most iconicized version that you were talking, you, you were talking about is is a descent one. It was a gift to her by Glamour Magazine, Woman of the Year in 2012. 
and it's the one that was named the descent because of the quotes that she, that she's well, because of things that she said she's been quoted on in her career. So the name descent came from her, and she was gifted this very like rock edgy piece, which is not her usual lacy appearance, but it just kind of that's the one that got iconicized the most. And its enduring legacy has transcended beyond the collar into all manner of design. So there are tattoos that are based off of the descent collar, there are earrings based off of the descent collar, and it's it seems to be her enduring graphic legacy. How many kids are going to be dressed up as people? People are already dressing up their kids right now on Instagram. They were already dressed up as. And as, uh, there's going to be so many for this Halloween. Maybe I will get myself a collar this year because I haven't dressed up for Halloween in years, but maybe this is the year. Right That'd before, be a good statement to make. Right before the election. One of the other enduring legacies of her graph opponent of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is her own image. And there is one other uh, piece of art that I enjoy that's a black and white image with a red, with a red background that says Notorious uh, RGB. RBG. RBG. <laughs> Oh, that's why I that's wanted that thing. purpose up uh, front. Please excuse us. It's, we this are is the designers. designers so speak. it's RGB for, for for us, but we understand it's it's it, RBG. No disrespect. No disrespect. So what I was saying was one of the other enduring um, graphic pieces that I really gravitated towards was the black and white of, of Ruth Bader Ginsburg with Notorious are BG in a red block uh, background. And that references also the Supreme logo, also references Barbara Kruger's uh, design aesthetic, which kind of comes full circle, which is wonderful. Doing research on this episode, um, while we're talking about the crown image, I want to mention that I came across this article on Vox.com that talks about... Uh, some of the problematic takes on the documentary using Biggie's image and the crown. What do you think about that? You sent me that article and I read it as well. And I know that there's this controversy behind the appropriation of the of Biggie's the the iconic image of Biggie with the crown uh, and, his, and being and the name. co-opted, and also the name Notorious B.I.G. and being co-opted by uh, the documentary the Notorious. Our BG. Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary. <laughs> and I know for me, being being a fan of his of his music and also knowing where the artwork came from, I I understand why it was used and how she is considered a badass. She's from New York, he's from New York, and and, and the relationships of, of those two iconic images. And I feel like they changed both of their industries. Like, you know, they had a huge impact on both of what they do and what they're good at. Yes. So it's kind of paying an homage to it, in my opinion, rather than she's not trying to sell hip-hop CDs by using his image. So I feel like there's a, you know... They work hand-in-hand. Hand. Yeah, so there's a there's she's not trying to benefit from his image financially to make this happen like you know that's why she took the image it's it's basically saying like you know we come from the same uh you know they're both from brooklyn and they both have this like heritage and they did incredible things for the industry that they work in 
So it's just, I, 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 I didn't think about it as a negative, which, I mean, some people might, and, you know, like, we are all entitled to our opinions. I didn't find it problematic. So it's kind of also like culture borrows from each other, right? Like, we just mentioned Barbara Kruger and Supreme. So then, I mean, is Supreme paying Barbara Kruger royalties on I making highly, millions? I highly doubt that. That's my point. So there's, there's a line, and that's a very hard to, like, you know, it's a very difficult to... Like, it's a vague line. It's not very it's, clear. It's nuanced, and it's not, you know, we when you see examples of cultural appropriation, they are very specific. Yeah. This is not so specific and and I know that we talked about this a little bit earlier and I was and I was giving a scale comparison if it were a scale comparison between 1 and 10 it's it's, it's like a 2 you know yeah. I, I I don't feel like it's that is I get I understand the positive nature of what her intent of what the uh, the filmmakers and the people behind this image not Ruth Bader Ginsburg herself intended with the comparison so it doesn't offend me, but I could also understand how other people would take this and think to themselves, yet again, an example of somebody else taking somebody else's art and repurposing for their own, I don't want to say gains in this situation, but for their own means. Yeah. I, I get that as well. Yes. This, I mean, I guess. I, I'm, but it's not I'm, that heavy for me. It's not that heavy. I'm also going to say again, like it's circumstantial. I think every aspect of the of that particular situation matters. But this is about more of. I just felt like I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. No, it's a good point to bring up because I mean, as we start uh, down this road with doing these cultural legacy uh, episodes, we're gonna we need to get into all aspects. Of and what this is going to come up a lot. It's going to come is... up. It's going to come up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, and welcome back to Gatsby Fridays. Sarah, any lasting words or quotes that resonate with you from Ruth Bader Ginsburg? You know, there's a lot of a lot of quotes floating around now in media that we hear. Um, she did not just... She wasn't just a fighter for women's rights. She was a fighter for equal rights, which I think is it's a bigger picture, and I think that's why... She sits in the Supreme Court, and it's not just, like, this fighter figure. Um, all of the equality ones aside, I think the more encompassing thing, and the thing that I I feel like we can resonate with doing the podcast that we do is the one that where she said, fight for the things that you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. And... Um, we started the podcast because we had something to say, and this first season has proved to be a little uh, more reminiscent about the things that we've been already talking about between you and me over the years, which also led to us in a conversation where we can develop further, more exciting ventures. But we started this because we were already talking about all these things between you and me and whoever was around that we were having drinks with, we would go to a meeting and we would meet some people there, uh, like creative networking groups, and then we would grab drinks with them and then the conversation would grow there. We've done it multiple times. Um, so from that, we, we there's a same... Like, we... Sometimes you don't even, like, make the personal connection not to catch a name, but there were... 
times that I remember after the talking, not talking talks, there's the same girl at two talks and we had drinks with her at Chelsea Market. And the, the first one, she passed by on the street. We had drinks with her. And then the second time, we had drinks with her in the Chelsea Market. So there was like, you know, you make these connections. But also, it kind of showed us that the things that we have to say, others can join in a way. So we started this podcast because not we're not just indulgent about hearing what you and I have to say about each other. I think what we have has value, what we have to share and we always invite at the end of every episode to get back and connect with us. There's all of the technology mediums available. We have made sure that we're, we have a website. We are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. All of the communication channels are open that we wanted to have something to say, but also just build a community around it if people respond to what we're sharing with them. So I think that coming to the true spirit of Gatsby Fridays, I think this is the quote that I would want to resonate with the most. Now let's move on to our favorite part of this and every episode, our signature cocktail. So what we tried to do here was put together an idea of what best represents the legacy of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, how we wanted to honor her. One of the things that she fought for was equal rights. And we thought, how do we distill that into a drink? Which, honestly, is not something that we could do. But since this is Gatsby Fridays, and at the end of each episode, we have a cocktail <laughs> recipe for you. Yes, we do. We we did our best to try to highlight would be a good representation. And that would be the last word. I think the last word is a strong stance already. And I think it's good. And I think she, you know... You know, I want her words to stand for the last word and the meaning that we do value equality and there's no questioning it anymore. It's the last word. She already said it. There's no questioning of it anymore. So I I, I like the tone of that. I like where that goes. Actually, I think we should end the episode with a quote of hers. That would be the last word. <laughs> but in terms of the cocktail that we have, we, we do have a recipe, as this is Gatsby Fridays. And the last word consists of one part gin, one part green chartreuse, one part manichino cherry, uh, one part manichino liquor, uh, one part fresh lime juice. And that would be the last word cocktail. Thank you for hanging with us for a list of the resources mentioned in this episode. Hop onto our site, GatsbyFridays.com. You can find a recipe for the last word on our website. GatsbyFridays.com For show notes, if you want to leave a comment or suggest a show topic, get us on our site. Don't forget to rate us and give us five stars and write a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps to get us in front of more ears and build our audience. Or, if you're a Spotify person, make sure to follow us at Gatsby Fridays. Or on Instagram, follow us on Gatsby Fridays. So, this is our season finale, episode 12 of the first season of GatsbyFridays.com and I just wanted to say that what a ride it has been. <sighs> what an amazing, amazing time that we've had putting this together for you, putting this together more importantly for ourselves and trying to understand the whole concept of like doing a podcast. It's been a challenge and it's been extremely rewarding to, to put out a formalized thought every episode 
So every we, week, every week, and it kind of uh, not only made us focus on we've been doing these conversations for years between mm. just amongst us, and there came a moment where it was time to share what we have to say with the rest of you. And it forced us to really think about what we want to do for second season. Yes. Because we just kind of, you know, very quarantine inspired. We got into this because we could finally set aside the time for this thing that we've been talking about for years. And it has evolved beyond what we initially could have even imagined. And now we have much more exciting ideas about how to cover. It's been a little introspective so far. But next season. It's going to be amazing. When is it coming, Alex? Second season, end of October. So we're only taking a small two-week break, and then when we come back two weeks after, we will come back with a new show, with a new look, and... And all new episodes. All new episodes covering more design books. Art. Uh, more art. Um, now that the city's opening up a little bit, more in in space out of studio experiences that we will have time to plan for and we will actually be safely participating in um, it's going to be wonderful stay tuned stay tuned well i was going to be like it's going to be wonderful this is Gatsby friday oh okay okay yeah well we're going to once it's safe that we will have more opportunities to take the the recording outside of the studio to out in the streets into New York City which is what we feel like most dynamic mm-hmm. and we can't wait to start season 2 and, and this, this is, is Gatsby, Gatsby Fridays, Fridays.